asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing robots, rent control, and Taylor Swift. Yeah, so what do all three of those things have in common? Well, money, of course. That's what we're going to talk about today. How the stories that we've come across this week, how they apply to your personal finances. We've got those three stories plus several others that we're going to get to today. That's right, Matt. But before we dig into those stories, before we get into the Friday flight, I wanted to quickly mention that I filed my first homeowner's claim in my adult life. Is this something you're excited about? Um, not really. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Typically, not... this is bad news, uh, but I guess it kind of depends on how things shape up for you, yeah, right? I mean, ultimately, it's, it's not the worst thing ever, uh, but it's also not fun, I would say. Sure. Uh, but basically what happened, the, the house that we're, we're doing some work to right now that used to be a duplex, we're turning it back into a single family home for our family. Someone decided to uh, get down in the crawl space and rip out the copper pipes with the sawzall. Yeah. Huge bummer, dude. Yeah. Actually, so I was the one that discovered it, you right? Because uh, Kate and I and the kids, we were just out for a walk and they had recently like busted out the back wall of your entire house and which is to me super fascinating <laughs> like we're really interested in stuff like that and so we went snooping well emily she like sent us the lockbox code and was like hey go check it out you yeah. know so we poked our head in there y'all had just left town i think and uh 
Kate was like, do you hear that? Does that sound like water running? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know why the water's running. And sure enough, we kind of poked our head down through the floor and saw like a river underneath your house. It did not look like something that was planned. <laughs> it, was, it was not a good thing. <laughs> and no, it was not. And yeah, so that, that water ended up ruining uh, the HVAC system and you know Ooh. a cu- couple other things down there. And it was one of those things where I had my deductible set as high as possible, and that's something we've recommended on the show. And I had never had to file an insurance claim before, and so I was like looking pretty, just saving money every year on the money I was paying to the insurance company, but came back to bite me in this instance. Mm. Um, But I will say, I I need to do the math at some point and kind of see, well, what's what's the difference? How much am I saving on an annual basis? Because I'm sure I have more than made up for uh, this, the additional deductible amount that I had to pay in order to replace the HVAC system and fix you know, some of the other things that were ruined by this act of vandalism. Mm. But I think that advice still holds true because yeah, one of the other things that it does is, is having a higher deductible prevents you from filing needless claims because if you have that really That's true. tiny deductible, you might start doing it willy-nilly and then your rates start to go up over time. And so I think this one claim hopefully shouldn't have too much of an adverse impact on the premiums I that I pay. You'll, you'll find out next year. Like <laughs> I will. Once, I will. The, <laughs> once, once the, the renewal policy. comes up. Right. Well, so have you heard from them at all? Because oftentimes you hear stories about how when you file a claim like this, something, I mean, this isn't, it's not a tiny claim, but it's also not like a massive claim. It's right. not like a tree fell through your between, house. It's in between, yeah. And so I'm curious if, you, I mean, because sometimes uh, individuals will get booted from their insurer because once you use it, you lose it. Yes, I have heard that too. And uh, so obviously that hasn't happened to you it yet. It hasn't happened but yet, I think at least. The, uh, yeah, I mean, the higher rates is definitely something that's worth revisiting once you do get your, your bill or your premium for next year, because that's unfortunately not something that you can shop around. I mean, you can shop around your home insurance, but when the, uh, you take advantage of your insurance, it goes onto your clue report. That's right. And that's something that follows you from one insurer to the next. Yeah, that's like the database where every insurance company can check yes. and see, huh, does this person file claims or not? <laughs> And yeah, hopefully one claim isn't going to mess me up. And it was the right thing to do, sure. even though it was tough because I'm one of those guys who's like, nah, I'm going to go through all my life and never use this insurance. Uh, <laughs> but that's what it's there, there for. There comes a time when you do want to use it. And like you said, though, it is tough to know how much you're saving until you actually crunch the numbers. But that did cause me to go and check my homeowner's insurance because we just hadn't touched our home policy uh, in a while. Dude, my deductible was set at $1,000. I'm getting hosed. That's too low. Yes, I'm getting hosed every single uh, year. And so I immediately wrote an email to our uh, insurance agent because I don't know how that happened. But at some point, I mean, I know I didn't set it there intentionally, but at at some point I think it reset or they just automatically migrated it down to whatever the standard policy is. But I'm sure that you're wishing that that would have happened to you. Uh, (laughs) If if only we could trade places. Accidentally, just weeks before the accident, that would have been great. Yeah. Well, report back and let us know what the difference is, like how much you're able to save. Because if I'm curious, my assumption is it's probably a couple hundred dollars a year. Um, oh, yeah. I'm hoping by boosting that deductible, we should yeah see a significant savings every single year. But uh, yeah, I'll let you know. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. And, and nobody needs to shed tears for me. Not a big deal. Yeah. But uh, and, and, and ultimately, it means we're getting a new HVAC system. Like this whole house is going to be new at the end of the day. You, you really are going to be set, dude. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's going to it's cool. Bank account's taking a beating right now, but, <laughs> but you'll be set for a while. Yeah. Hopefully that means that you know, no repairs needed on this house for a long time. Good but, 20 years. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's get to the Friday flight. Let's do it. Stories we found interesting this week in the realm of personal finance. And first, let's talk about budgeting for 
Christmas. There was a new survey. Is this something you do, Joel? Budget for Christmas? <laughs> well, I try to keep that budget minimal. Uh, but obviously, we, we there is money that gets spent every year around the holidays when it comes to yeah gifts for our friends and loved ones uh, or experiences that we share with other people, bringing something to a holiday party. Those those are all the kind sure. of things that you got to plan ahead for. And there's a new survey from Ally Bank, and it reveals that 32% of Americans are worried about going over budget this holiday season. Season. That makes sense to me, especially mm-hmm. with inflation, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. It's like everything costs more. Am I going to be able to, to stick to the budget that I have? Uh, people don't want to overspend, and we're all about that. But the statistic that followed in that same survey revealed that two in five people, they're not doing any planning. They're not using a budget at all. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, 40% of people who are like, I'm really worried about going over budget, the budget that I don't have. Uh, <laughs> I found that interesting. And it's going to be hard not to go overboard if you don't have a plan, if you don't have any sort of budget when it comes to your holiday spending. And so, yeah, no wonder you're worried about it. Um, if you want to prevent what we would say a, a January financial shock that can linger into the summer months, well, you need to get a plan in motion now. You need to be prepared with uh, a budget for holiday spending. That's right. And of course, I was making fun of you because you tend not to budget in the formal sense. Like you don't track every cent that you spend like I do, but you still have a, a, a more of a shoot from the hip spending plan. And certainly when it comes to something like Christmas. But the number one thing that we think folks should make sure to do, you know, in order to not go overboard is to just to develop a list of people that you plan to buy presents for. And just, you know, don't don't overdo it just because maybe you have a little more cash sitting around in your accounts uh, this year. Uh, you don't need to buy anything, you know, for your, your third cousin uh, who's twice removed. Hey, we're very close, Matt. <laughs> if that's the case, then make sure to buy them a nice gift. Uh, but just make sure that you have communicated with folks, with your family, who you're close to, who you don't plan to exchange presents with, uh, because part of the reason we tend to go overboard is out of this sense of obligation and, and this almost reciprocal a non-spoken agreement that we seem to have, uh, especially with family members. But uh, write down the specific amounts that you aim to spend on each person. We've talked about this somewhat recently, but even consider giving cash with just a thoughtful uh, handwritten letter or a note. That can be a great way for you to avoid uh, finding your spending continuing to increase throughout the holidays, uh, maybe even giving a fun experience instead of a, of a high-priced item. But just don't overdo it because of the, you know, you can't blame it on the holiday spirit. <laughs> you can't say that like, oh, well, I just, this is something I feel like doing. We don't want you to approach your spending that way. We want you to have a plan. Yeah, getting uh, in the Christmas spirit or the holiday spirit is, is, is a great thing. But if you know yourself and you know you're the kind of person because the jolliness takes over your soul that <laughs> you, you just start spending dollars like crazy. Like, yeah, you want to have a plan so that you don't do that. Yeah. Well, and one of the other things too is just avoid spending on yourself because you see all the money that you're spending and you think, holy cow, like I am spending so much money on other people. I'm being so generous. I deserve a little bit of that. I'm going to treat myself. <laughs> uh, and that's another way to add a solid, I don't know, 10% onto your holiday spending budget where you to start buying some items for yourself. And so that's something we want you to avoid. And by the way, we're going to go into depth about how to have more of a minimalist Christmas. We're going to talk about that on Monday with uh, guest Meg Nordman. So you can look forward to that. No doubt. All right, let's move on, Matt, uh, to let's talk about Taylor Swift for a second. Uh, you're a big fan, right? Uh, I am not a Swifty, but I do <laughs> like some of her music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and me me too. Like I I like a few of her songs, but uh, I only really listen to Taylor Swift when my wife is listening <laughs> to Taylor Swift. And 
you know what? She's talented, just not my jam. She's got the way. some skills. Yeah. Or, or I mean, specifically recently, her music's gotten like I feel, you know a little darker. Yeah. Uh, I dig it. A little more of an indie vibe to some of the stuff she's yeah. putting out. Well, yeah. And uh, if our listeners remember, we we just had an episode about ownership recently. It was episode four twenty five. And there's this news story this week that to me reflected the power of individual ownership and uh, and how it leads to building wealth. And just like a real substantial like pop cultural moment, and and this was really Taylor Swift, right? Like she uh, she's more than just a good musical artist, as it turns out, uh, adored by tens of millions of people. She's an incredible businesswoman, and she actually just re-released an album that originally came out in 2012. Why did she do that? Well, because the rights to her original songs were sold out from under her, and they now belong to like some hedge fund or something like that. Sold to the hedge fund by some guy named like Scooter or something like that, yeah. right? <laughs> Apparently, Taylor and Scooter are not on good terms. Yeah, they're at odds. They're not celebrating. Uh, not going to be at the same holiday parties, is my guess. But she re-recorded those songs and re-released them, and that meant that she owns the music that her fans are now listening to. No Swifties are going back and listening to that 2012 album. They're listening to the 2021 t-swift version uh, the one that that taylor is now profiting from because she owns it directly and it's also at the same time it's devaluing those original recordings in a significant way i'm not sure which one she's happier about (laughs) (laughs) probably considering where she is with her finances i'm I'm sure the sticking the the latter is probably a little more enjoyable at the moment uh and you know she already did this with uh the first album that she did this with was fearless and that album sold almost one million copies since april and those newly recorded songs have been streamed 600 million times and so this is just a, an awesome, I don't know, indiv- even though she's a total celebrity, this is still uh, a very fun success story when it comes to an individual and their business acumen. Uh, because Taylor, yeah, she's got that ownership over everything that she's creating. That's incredibly powerful. And again, it just goes to show how important it is to be an owner, not just a consumer. Yeah, we see that clearly in Taylor Swift's example. It's just, it's fun to see someone not just be a great entertainer, but also a great business person as well yeah. and so um yeah just kudos to t-swift on that front and and yeah matt let, let's let's keep moving though. let's talk about inflation for a second the uh the costs of essentials in our lives have been going through the roof well cost of everything yeah <laughs> has definitely been going up but yeah and quickly right and gas prices in particular are something that's on everyone's mind the the state of california actually is setting gas price records this week those are the kind of records you prefer to remain unbroken <laughs> especially <laughs> if you records there. that they're not celebrating uh, yeah. in a positive way and, and don't drive an electric vehicle in california if you have a gas powered vehicle there you're probably like not happy and the national average of a gallon of gas is almost three dollars and fifty cents uh, and when you run the numbers, Matt, the, it, that, this costs the average person $69 more every single month compared to where gas prices were last year. And that, that's real money for, for lots of folks. Like that, That's a whole lot more money oh, yeah. that's going straight into the gas tank just to get where you need to go. And of course, you know, we talked a little bit about e-bikes last week. It only makes more and more sense to go in that direction when we see those numbers. Uh, but also, grocery store prices are rising sharply. And in fact, you know, prices for meat, poultry, and eggs were up more than 10% in September. And so we're seeing uh, shoppers having to make decisions at the grocery store so that their grocery budget remains intact. They're trading down for lower-priced items uh, because of how quickly these prices are escalating. And, and many are buying more store-brand items instead of the name-brand counterparts. That's something that you and I are, are all about. Yeah, we're all about that. We're less about switching to store-brand beer. <laughs> You've tried the Aldi beer before, haven't uh, you? Yeah, and uh, in the Kirkland Signature beer, too. But <laughs> I, I'm not down with either of them. I am willing to drink some of the, I think it's called 
Hopping Nomad or whatever is the uh, Aldi beer. In the summertime, like after cutting the grass, I'm okay with uh, an occasional six pack of that. But, uh, you know, inflation, like basically we've just seen inflation stick around, right? It, like we thought it was just going to be around for a few months, uh, but it has been much more sticky. And store brands and substitutions are two great ways to curb costs as those rising prices continue their climb. Uh, but what else can you do? You know, Joel, you're talking about uh, the high cost of gasoline. Well, on the gas front, not all of us can drive less. There are just sometimes places that we have to be. We may not have the option to work from home. And so that morning and afternoon commute uh, is still going on. Um, But there are a lot of us who can change our driving patterns and habits because a big chunk of the miles that we drive are discretionary. You might still have to get to work, but can you combine more trips and go to the grocery store once every two weeks instead of going like twice a week? If you happen to work near a Costco, that needs to be something that you're doing. And the other thing too, a lot of those miles are within just a, a smaller radius of our home. Uh, so we really could hop on a bike a bit more for those shorter trips in order to curb our gas usage. And if you are going to get in the car, look at, <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but just accelerate a little more slowly, like like coast. You notice this when you're riding on your bike, but there's this one stretch where I always take a right onto a more main road. Uh, and whoever's behind me, well, after they make their right, they'll come zoom and pass me. But there's always a stoplight, like one block up. And they're just like flooring it. It's just wasted gas for right 50 there. feet or something like that. And, and I always just kind of like... slam it on the brakes again? Yeah. Yes. And I always pull up right next to them. And sometimes I love it when I'm like even a car or two in front of them. And you know, they floored <laughs> it. They wasted all that energy. Uh, they've lost their whatever, their patience. They've, they've lost their cool. But just take it easy. Uh, and the other thing too, we were talking about insurance earlier on. While you're already driving like a grandma, see if your insurance provider... If they offer uh, one of those monitors or the driving trackers, because you know what? If you can combine gas savings with some insurance savings as well, that is two birds with one stone right there. Uh, And then, yeah, on the food front, where you shop is going to make the biggest difference. We've already mentioned Aldi and Costco uh, (laughs) randomly, but those stores can make a massive difference in your food budget. Lidl is also another affordable option, but we want you just to constantly be challenging what it is that you've all always done in order to see if you can save a little bit here and there, because you might find that these are patterns that stick. Uh, And even when uh, groceries are dropping in price, if you maintain those habits, well, then you're saving money every single month. You're not just breaking even. And so just even simple things like buying sale items, throwing them in the freezer, doing things that you haven't done before in order to curb your spending. Yeah. And just stop eating steak right now, probably. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's a rare delicacy for for us. It's like once a year, I feel like. Seriously. (laughs) But when we do have it it's it's a delight uh but if you're having it on a weekly basis you fancy and probably should trade down to chicken or meatless (laughs) mondays or you know whatever you want to do but uh we've got more stories to get to on today's friday flight including that robot story and a really interesting one about rent control we'll get to those and more right after this break asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. 
That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we're back. And before we get to that more heady academic topic of rent control, putting our, putting our economist hats on. We, yeah, we actually are going to do that. But before we get to that one, let's get now to our ludicrous headline of the week. And this one is from Fast Company, and it reads, science proves it, most NFTs are worthless. You know what? I'm uh, going to trust science on this one. Well, here's the thing. It's less about the science and it's just kind of like the simple numbers. <laughs> it's like empirical evidence. It's just data. It's like... I, I love that they wrote science. In where, where does but, science actually come into play here? Yeah, it's not. It's like really like we've just looked at the actual sales prices yeah. of NFTs and we found it. But 
They, uh, science sounds a little more fun, I guess. Like than, we just uh, discovered a new... Statistics! Yeah. <laughs> but this article focused on the research from the University of London, which poured over the sales data from thousands of NFTs. And oftentimes, you know, the NFT sales that make the headlines are for the different NFTs that might go for tens of thousands or even tens of millions of dollars in the case of that Beeple NFT that, that sold for like $70 million. Uh, but here is uh, an interesting little tidbit. Three quarters of NFTs actually sell for $15 or less, and actually only 1% sell for more than $1,500. And so the, uh, the CryptoPunk NFTs that were, you know, all the rage for a minute, yeah, those are extreme outliers. But this doesn't mean that NFTs aren't here to stay, uh, but at the same time, we're not saying that, you know, the space is only about making money or getting super rich, uh, because, you know, even if it's a digital piece of art, it's okay to buy it, but only buy it if you like it, if it's something that you can <laughs> somehow remove the knowledge that you have of NFTs and what they have sold for, and can if you can just evaluate it from just a sense of appreciation, I don't know if that's something that anybody could actually do, by actually removing the dollars and cents from it. But if that's something you can do and it's something that you're drawn to this NFT, then if that's the case, go ahead and buy it. But it's just important to know that the latest, you know, the new NFT that you scoop up is very unlikely to actually make you any money. Uh, it's, I, I don't know, I see this almost as like a wake-up call for, for those who are making NFTs to realize that they're probably not going to get rich that way. But then also for those who are looking at investing in uh, NFTs, that that's also probably not going to pan out well for them either. Yeah, I think it's really good to see the actual statistics. And, and it's kind of like a bucket of cold water being tossed on your head, <laughs> you know, you that, that kind of helps you wake you up. Because yeah, we, we, the only real facts and figures we typically see are just the rarest of the rare NFTs that are selling for like bukus of dollars and people just assume all right that's base that's where I, that's where i'm gonna go make my money mm. but it turns out most people are making next to nothing yep. really on the creator and on the investor side and like you said matt i think you're right like it doesn't mean you can't buy one if you want to yeah just don't think you're gonna get rich doing just it. do it for funsies and something that was really interesting in this piece as well in this article is the guy the researcher pointed out that the majority of N nfts actually don't sell at all and so those are all data points that aren't taken into their calculations. Yeah. And so the figures are actually way, way, way worse <laughs> uh, because they're not even counting the ones that don't actually sell. Yeah, the, yeah. there's probably a lot of people that post their artwork online and people are like, yeah, no, mm, I don't want to. Don't think so. It's not even worth 50 cents. That's weird, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and while we're talking about mostly worthless purchases, let's talk about uh, maybe uh, your worthless smartphone. And... I mean, you like it, and that's fine. But the question is, is your phone about to become worthless? And at, there was an article in the LA Times written by David Lazarus about this this week. And he said, as 5G is springing up around the country, a lot of older phones are set to become bricks as 3G networks get shut down all over the place. And so if it's been like a really, really long time since you upgraded your phone and you're still running on like 3G, your phone doesn't do 4G. If you've done that, and manage to keep your phone working. You're better long. than Matt. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. You're impressive. Uh, <laughs> but it might be just a matter of months until you can't look stuff up on the go anymore. Like you won't be able to use data or make a call. Like you can't even make a 911 call uh, once the network actually comes down. That uh, phone is bricked. Literally, yeah. Well, I guess technically you could use it at home as like a internet searching device. Yeah, like yeah. As long as you're on, on Wi-Fi, Wi yeah. maybe it's something you can give to your kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, 
it's not completely worthless, but it's mostly worthless. But yeah, exactly. That, this is probably a small segment of the population, probably not many how to money listeners. And I just wanted to note, though, I could see people seeing headlines because there's probably going to be more headlines about this as the 5G network comes online, and people are going to assume that their 4G phones are also going to be bricked or become worthless. But that is not the case. Your 4G phone is going to continue to work perfectly fine for the time being. You're just yeah, but probably <laughs> for years to come. But the thing is, it won't be as speedy as the new phones that are coming out. We would still say don't feel the need to upgrade. 5G, I'm sure, will be nice. It will be faster. But uh, keep what you've got as long as you can. Matt, the phone I bought last year it doesn't have 5G capability. It's and still humming along just fine, though, isn't it? I, I'm not jealous. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna stick with the 4G as long as I can. I don't care, and I think most of us should take that mentality. Just kind of keep using our phone if it works fine. That's right. Yeah, don't be like me who splurged and went big time. So we talked about this a few months ago, how I was planning to wait until the new 13s came out so that the price of the 12s uh, would drop and then I could pounce on a great deal, right? I don't know if we ever did an update, but fact is the 12 Pros never came down in price. Apple cut them completely from their website. And so I was stuck in this position of, okay, am I going to spend $1,000 on a 12 Pro or am I going to go ahead and get the new one? I ended up splurging, getting the new one. I kind of talked myself into doing it after having... You know, I sold like over $10,000 worth of photography equipment. So that was my justification saying that like, okay, well, there's a net win here of $9,000. And so in reality, maybe I'm, you know, I'm kind of coming out ahead. But in my case, I definitely splurged. Uh, But if you are not in a position where your phone is hanging on by a thread, like Joel said, we would recommend that you do your best to continue to make do. Uh, And the other thing too, is is this not the most egregious example of planned obsolescence? It's like the, the cell carriers and then like the phone manufacturers are in like serious cahoots because <laughs> they're like, hey, what kind of deals can we work out if you just uh, start not offering 3G anymore so that all of uh, your subscribers have to purchase uh, a new phone that, that we happen to make? It's unfortunate because this is one of those areas where I think a lot of folks would be happy to continue using their old crusty phones. But uh, in this case, they don't have that option anymore. Yeah, Matt. And to be honest, I feel like, you know, I, I don't have any problem with you spending money on the newest iPhone because you waited like five years <laughs> with That's your right. old phone. Like, I w- earned it. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I, I think like trying to get you know more time out of your phone, just what we want to fight is that reactionary upgrade cycle where it's like every year I get a new phone or sure every 18 months I get a new phone Um, and we just think that's unnecessary especially when we're talking about the the phone upgrades being pretty minimal these days each year and I and I will say that I've gotten tremendous satisfaction out of the new features on this new phone compared to the original SE which is what I had good I'm glad to hear that yeah and and I I figured I figured you would because as a a photographer you know having the multiple camera approach three lenses dude it's awesome Awesome. I knew you were going to love it. It's so great. I love it. Well, let's talk about robots for a second. Uh, Businesses obviously are having a hard time finding the workers they need. We've talked about that. Uh, And in fact, there are more jobs than people looking for those jobs right now. For every one job opening, there's only 0.7 people looking for a job. And so, yeah, that just leads to uh, wage hikes, of course, alongside just more leverage for the everyday worker. And then with compensation going up, though, some companies are deciding to turn to robots for certain specific tasks. Uh, Demand for robots is apparently also at an all-time high. And Matt, I would say it's going to be interesting to see what sort of an impact this has on our economy and on the workforce, because it makes sense that the faster wages rise, the more employers 
Bears start to figure out how they can thin the herd and robots uh, are able to perform more tasks these days. Yeah. So what did you think when you saw that statistic? Well, I mean, and just the fact, too, that, I mean, employers don't have the ability to continue to do business because they just don't have the people around to yeah, do the jobs. Exactly. Right. And so sometimes, I mean, in this case, like it's it's a little bit less about the fact that the robots are here to take over, <laughs> take over our jobs. And it's more we've got to find a way to continue doing business here. And in this way, robots are, are the answer. But even for those who are a little worried about robots showing up, taking over our jobs, you know, this is uh, I feel like a, a topic. This is uh, a fear that's been circulating for decades. And they actually they never really seem to come true. And so, for instance, it was thought that the brilliant new technology of the automated teller machine ATM, that that would uh, mean that most banks would no longer need human tellers, right? People who, you know, sit there and work at the desk. Uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, not even close. In fact, as more ATMs came on the scene, we also saw a rise in the number of human tellers working at banks as well. Yeah, not, not quite the apocalyptic scenario that some had predicted. Yeah, exactly. And another instance I'm thinking of, the 3D printed house. Uh, these are starting to become a reality as well. And so a big question might be, you know, are they going to take away jobs from skilled laborers? and contractors because these houses are being made by like tubes of concrete. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a giant toothpaste machine. It's like a soft serve machine (laughs) that you can live in. But we think that that's pretty unlikely as well. But it is likely going to create more affordable housing and those machines are going to lower the cost of living for for many folks as homes become more affordable. But, you know, these robot headlines and predictions of rapidly advancing automation, uh, at times it can be scary, but, you know, while it sometimes will negatively impact a few specific specific communities or specific jobs, it's almost always going to be part of a rising tide. You know, that helps the country overall more than it harms. And honestly, more than anything, it just makes me think of just the natural forces of supply and demand. Right now, there is just an incredibly low supply of workers. And so employers, they're having to get creative uh, when it comes to manufacturing literally more supply by creating more workers. This is something that I think sometimes can be scary, but it's just the natural changing landscape of our economy, of our labor markets. No doubt. So I don't think there's any any need or reason to fear the robot, Matt, like like you mentioned. I think you're right. And let, let's move on. Let's talk about rent control, our, our last story for this Friday flight. You know, we, we've talked about rising rents on the show, and it, it's certainly no fun to encounter if you're a renter and you're told that rent is $150 more a month for this next year-long lease. That's that's frustrating, and that is a can be a budget buster. But what are some cities trying to do to combat these substantial increases that we're seeing? Rent control. And uh, St. Paul, Minnesota is the most recent example of this. They just passed a ballot initiative capping rent price increases at 3% a year. Hmm. And that sounds nice if you're a renter, right? Saying that, hey, my rent's not going to go up above this amount. I know that it can't increase. Uh, but sadly, while rent control sounds good on its face, the effects are almost always harmful in the end. And uh, landlords, they tend to stop investing in the units they own, leading to a more dilapidated housing supply overall. They would ask themselves the question like, why will I spend extra to put in a a, a nicer bathroom right. if they're not going to be able to recoup those costs? Yep. And yeah, pretty much at every turn when rent control is instituted, it ends up harming the vast majority of folks in that city where it's instituted. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We feel that the answer isn't capping the rent price that a private landlord is able to charge. We feel that a better answer is to focus on creating more supply, just like those inventive employers who are finding ways to put robots to work. <laughs> and so, uh, and we're not alone, too. Economists have been in complete agreement on this for decades. Uh, and in fact, uh, Richard Thaler, the economist, he compared uh, asking whether rent control is good to asking whether the sun revolves around the earth. <laughs> in this, like, no, that's just lunacy. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it was just outside the realm of consideration for him. Uh, and so it's just interesting to see that there's a city that's going to be moving in the opposite direction. Uh, and for the folks who currently live in a rent-controlled unit, you know, it's great. It feels like <laughs> it's like heaven. Uh, but for other renters... Yeah, the market rate is 2000 a month and you're paying 700 a month because of rent, your unit is rent-controlled, you're like, I won the lottery. Exactly. But for the other renters looking for a place to live, it becomes more difficult. And instead, we think that more relaxed zoning and creating incentives to build more units to increase that supply is the best way to create more affordable housing. Rising rents and a lack of access to affordable housing are real issues in our country. Uh, and they're you know more prevalent in some specific cities. But rent control legislation is just going to make things worse over time. This is an example where we're going to side with the economists. Uh, and we feel that the government, uh, different governments should consider involving themselves less when it comes to uh, interfering in an open market like this, where you know I, the supply and demand can find their own equilibrium. And when you start interfering and uh, placing rent controls, it leads to distortions within the market. Yeah, man, it just makes me think the city where we live, Atlanta, passed a law a few years back that said that people could build a small dwelling unit in their backyard, which called ADUs. ADUs creates more density. Accessory dwelling units. The more units that are available for people to rent, especially in some of these older neighborhoods, the better. The better it's going to be when it comes to housing affordability. But then when you look at actually the zoning laws, it's really, it's harder than it would appear at first glance to build one of those ADUs, as I found out, because I wanted to put one in my backyard. And because of the setback laws, it was basically impossible to put that house in my backyard, even though the law made it somewhat easier uh, than it originally was. And so th yeah. those are the kind of things that need to be looked at. If the law doesn't just say that you can build an ADU, but then the zoning laws make it not too terribly difficult to do so, people will do it. And that will increase density. That will mm -hmm. lead to lower rent prices for people all across the spectrum. Yeah. Not surprising. Joel and I, we live in the city. We're all about density. And yes, in my backyard, please. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about it. Uh, and we think that that can alleviate some of the high costs of housing as well. But Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on the website. We'll link to all the different stories that we uh, mentioned and covered during this episode up at howtomoney.com. Yeah, that's right. And we'll be back on Monday with an interview with our friend Meg, who's going to talk about how to have that minimalist Christmas. We hope to see you then, but have a great weekend. But buddy, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.